Yanmar trying to get it towards the empty net. He dives. He scores. Hat trick. Game seven. Yanmar. Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. And he comes, fakes. He scores. Mark Stone, shorthanded goal. Took the goal off its pegs, lost his stick, but more room to pump his fist. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Coming up this hour, we have our NHL one-timer segment. Uh, we have an update on Kirill Kaprizov and what's happening with the Minnesota Wild restricted free agent. Uh, another COVID vaccine casualty on the coaching front as an assistant coach in the NHL decided not to get the vaccination. Thus, he is out of a job. Second time that a coach has uh, been forced to step away because of the mandated uh, vaccination policy. Strange, you really got to believe in your principles when you're trying to break through uh, in something like that. I'll admit, I don't get it, but uh, we'll tell you all about the story as it uh, evolves from San Jose over to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, Darren Millard along with Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman also here in Fox Sports Las Vegas, the VGK Insider Show. It's the top five at five as we head towards the start of the prospect camp this weekend and the prospect tournament in Arizona, Hilly River Arena and the Ice Den in Arizona hosting this year's event. Uh, Vegas will play Friday Sunday and Monday. Looking forward to that. And uh, we're counting down some of the great uh, stories that we're anticipating to come out of that group. But our top five at five starts uh, anew today with the top storylines for the National Hockey League season, both nationally and with the VGK. And Ryan and I are going to go back and forth in this. Uh, Chapman also chiming in. Number five, the fifth biggest storyline nationally in the NHL this year is the new U.S. TV deal. TNT and ESPN will share the national broadcast rights this year. Of course, the Winter Classic, uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs will flip-flop uh, uh, over the course uh, of that agreement. Where do you see this, and what will be the biggest difference, Ryan, with the new national U.S. TV deal? There's so much speculation going into it. Now that you know it's TNT and ESPN and some of the commentators that are going to be involved, what's your opinion? So in terms of the TV deal, I, I think the one thing that stands out to me is that it isn't on one entity. Before, for the NHL, everything was on NBC, NBCSN. So you had really one entity kind of controlling the entire production and the package of what you got in terms of hockey. For me... I like the idea of different options, and I'm not sure just yet how different TNT and ESPN are going to be in terms of their production, but I think there's opportunity there to reach different audiences, and there's opportunity to present the game maybe in slightly different ways that gives you a little bit of a give and take in terms of the overall quality of the broadcasts. I think 
the fact that you have two different companies trying to raise the bar and continue to push this sport forward is really going to be good all, all the way through for the NHL. I like the idea that this is not an exclusive deal. It's not exclusively ESPN or TNT that you've got two entities that are going to be bringing hockey coverage to the United States. You know, I watched this happen in Canada, and the National Hockey League went with one rights holder. Went with Rogers. I was part of that uh, package for the first four years of that 12-year deal, uh, which, by the way, hasn't expired yet. But uh, And uh, in, in retrospect, like, we all thought it was a coup that Rogers got it when, when I was there. In retrospect, uh, I think the National Hockey League would probably go back and, and share it with, with Bell and Rogers, the, the two telecommunications company, TSN and, and Sportsnet. I think they would, they would go the route that they've gone with with the U.S. deal in ESPN and TNT. Now, Turner is a bit of a surprise that they got in this thing, and I'm really excited to see what they're going to turn out as a product. At the end of the season, though, what I'm really going to be interested to see is how different ESPN's hockey coverage, pregame, game, intermissions, postgame, mm-hmm. how different the worldwide leader and their presentation is from Turner, which we never really saw getting into the hockey business. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right there. When when it when you're kind of looking at and examining what each individual package might look like i think that there's opportunity for i think turner to have a little bit more latitude right like this this is a a company that might be able to to have a little bit more fun with the product and and try to deliver it in uh maybe a a little bit more non-traditional way from what i think you're going to get out of espn i think espn treating hockey like a very high profile top four sport in in the united states is going to be very good i I think you're going to get that type of coverage from espn uh but i wonder how much fun the turner and the tnt broadcasts are going to be because i think that's where you have the opportunity to grow it that way you know before i went to the olympics espn rolled out its commentator lineup do you remember that day i do and it was a long list (laughs) There, there was quite a few names on it yep so Turner today announced its on-air talent, and it's not nearly as uh, numerous, but the names are still there. I mean, let's let's first of all say from the previous the NBC arrangement, you're going to see basically all the same faces, <laughs> but divided between the two, which isn't a bad thing yeah. because the, that that was the best. Uh, in the league. So that, that's a mm-hmm. good thing that we're going to see a lot of the same. Now, there's a few new faces. Uh, one on the ESPN side is Rick DiPietro. And yeah. he's been doing a former uh, first overall pick. Uh, uh, goaltender, New York Islanders. Uh, never had an opinion he didn't share with somebody. Uh, <laughs> does does a morning show uh, in New York. Like, he's, he's, he's been involved in the media, still being paid by the New York Islanders. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see what Rick can bring. Uh, on the ESPN side of things. Mark Messier is also going to be uh, part of that group. On the Turner uh, end of it, Wayne Gretzky, we knew, was going to be part of their their panel. Uh, Lee McHugh, uh, who hosted on NBC, is moved over to Turner. Uh, he's going to be the uh, the host there with the likes of... Uh, we got Wayne Gretzky. We've got Rick Tockett uh, mm-hmm. on there. 
and Anson Carter. Now, yeah. I think Rick Tockett could be a star. Sure. Uh, I, I, in, in knowing Rick and having conversations with Rick and uh, doing a podcast with, with Rick, uh, the guy can present a story. He's not afraid. He's, he's uh, a top 10 all-time in penalty minutes. He's mm-hmm. scored goals. He's coached in the league. Like He's done it all. Uh, and, and knows every aspect. I think he could be a star. I, uh, Wayne's comfortable with him. He was uh, Wayne's assistant coach uh, with uh, with the Arizona Coyotes. So I think that's a really good uh, relationship to help Wayne Gretzky uh, broaden himself, gain the, gain the confidence of being a commentator where he's played uh, so safe uh, forever. Uh, so there's there's a couple of Rick Tockett and Rick DiPietro on opposite sides of this mm-hmm. rights deal. I'm really excited to see how it plays out. So for me, in terms of, of Turner and TNT, uh, one of the analysts, uh, Paul Bissonette, I look at that that guy right there in terms of, of hockey media, in terms of understanding and getting t- what it means to be entertaining, what it means to be a, a, a steward for the game, but also doing it in a way that makes it fun and accessible for, I, I, would, I would say, kind of casual fans. I think Paul Bissonette's going to be uh, one of those guys in the studio as an analyst that can kind of bring the game home to a different audience. And for me, I think that's going to be most fascinating to watch. Another part of that uh, Coyote connection mm-hmm. with yeah. with Wayne and Rick and Bissonette. Now, Paul, Paul, we know, Biz does the, uh, does the podcast, Spit and Chicklets. It's yep. like the top hockey podcast by far. And it's done so much for creating and cultivating that, that college audience. Uh, Paul's biggest challenge will be translating that into linear television, mainstream television, sure. where you can't tell those same stories. You can't have that same uh, language. Can you pull off and be as engaging without all of that? And if if you default to to that, <laughs> you're going to be in big trouble <laughs> immediately. So that that will be one of the that's that's sort of one of those X factors. Paul's extremely entertaining. I love Biz. Just has to do it in this environment as opposed to the podcast environment where you don't have people in your ear, you don't have uh, guidelines, you're, you're not fenced in in any regard. Uh, so that will be that will be the big uh, question mark. But Rick Tockett, I think, can do do all of that and. He bides his time and he goes back to coaching. I, I, don't, I think Rick can be a television star, uh, but I think his love will be to go back and coach. Yeah, I, I, it'll be interesting. Like as as far as Rick Tockett goes, like I, I wonder kind of what is is. Do you think that that's kind of the end game? Like obviously you get onto TV, you you, you kind of spend some time as an analyst, but uh, is. Is that going to be something where, you know, in, in a year or two from now, if Rick Tockett has an availability or, or an option to go back to coaching, is is that kind of going to be that turnover that you're going to have? Yeah, as, probably. As a, yeah, and, and that, you know, that's something that changes kind of the continuity of the product too. So uh, I I do wonder um, about that, but you know, I'll tell you one thing that I am interested in just in terms of TNT and, and where – uh, where their their in-game stuff is going to go. Keith Jones' ice level, I think, is going to be really fun. Yeah. Uh, be, because I, I, I'll I, tell you, I loved him in intermissions, breaking plays down, trying to, to kind of give 
more context and nuance to the game. But having him down there at ice level, I think he's really going to do a great job in real time uh, giving that nuance and that subtlety this, to this game. How about this with Eddie Olchek and Kenny Allen? Yeah. Now, yeah. with Eddie Olchek working with somebody that he's, he's loving, that, uh, I mean, he and, he and Kenny are, are great together. And then you throw in Keith Jones uh, and, and the relationship between Eddie and Keith is so good. And Edzo is a big fan of Keith showing a little bit more personality. Yeah. Because Keith is so funny uh, off the air. We don't see that that funny, funny side <laughs> of, of Jonesy all the time. But with, with Edzo sort of prodding and pulling him along and those two working together and having that, that group that is all one is going to be fascinating. I, I think that could be one of the great booths in, in our era. Uh, is with with Jonesy, Edzo, and and Kenny Albert doing hockey. That's uh, that's a good good solid point uh, with the the TNT number one group and Keith Jones being between the benches. Uh, at the end of the day, though, do they look more similar or are they apart? And Messier or Gretzky, who's the better panelist? <laughs> Ooh, um, you know. That's going to be an interesting one. I, I tend to think that if you can pull some of that personality out of Wayne Gretzky, just the, the ability to, to reach that player who, who was, was just so dominant for so long and, and sees the game in such a different way, I think the, the possibility for Wayne Gretzky to kind of be a star here is, is fascinating. Um, I do look up and down at, at TNT and, and their studio teams, commentator teams, I don't see an equivalent of Barry Melrose. Like, I think that, you know, you've got a guy in Barry that's got all the personality in the world for ESPN. Um, he's he's able to kind of just go out and do his thing, and, and he can be that personality. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of develops for Turner. But uh, similar, yes, but I do think that there are some differences that I'm noticing just in terms of, of who's on the beat right now for both for both entities, and I'm, I'm curious to see how it all plays out. I'm glad that uh, my buddy Darren Pang's part of that TNT group, too. Uh, looking forward to that. Uh, those are the top five at five. The fifth biggest national story in the NHL going into the season. The fifth biggest story for the VGK is the compacted schedule for a second straight year. But this time, instead of 56 games, mm-hmm. they've got 82 on the slate. <laughs> and yeah. this all sandwiches around... Beijing and the Olympic Games. The compacted schedule is the fifth biggest story for the VGK. Yeah, it's going to be interesting for the Golden Knights to to kind of go into this season. Now you, you factor in for Vegas that they have played a lot of hockey over the last two seasons. You you get to the final four both times. You're playing quite a bit and in the ability and the time that you have to recover in between seasons just isn't where where it is or what it would be if you had an earlier exit now you're not going to take earlier exits you don't want earlier exits you want to be playing deep into the postseason like the golden knights have the last couple of years but there is a lot of mileage there um, for me the the compacted schedule is going to be most intriguing when it comes to how many golden knights are going to be going to Beijing. We've talked about it on the show already that there's there could potentially be somewhere in the ballpark of, of six to seven, seven to eight players. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then you throw in coaching staff too that are going to Beijing. That's a lot of of mileage in terms of 
of getting there and then playing the games in the Olympics. So you throw all that together. You look at the schedule in December. It's it's 15 games in December. You've got 15 games in January, and then you've got 16 games in March. That's a lot of games in a very short period of time for the Golden Knights. And the, the question is going to be the ability to to rest and recover and dial that in during the regular season to be able to hit your stride come playoff time. I think there's an X factor in that, though, because you mentioned the guys who may be going to Beijing. You mentioned the compacted schedule. But I think what, what could turn out to be an advantage, right now it seems like it's a disadvantage, but this team getting Alex Tuck back at the time that they're going to be getting back because he's going to be fresh and he's only going to have a short period of time before the team gets into the playoffs. I mean, he's not going to have that wear and tear on his body. And I I think that could be a really big X factor because we know what the potential is for Alex Tuck. We've seen it. I think big picture, the Olympics are being overblown as Mm. the impact on, on the season. It's a tournament that you're going to play six games if you go all the way. So six games, I know you're flying around the world. And you're coming yep. back. I'm aware of that. And the <laughs> jet lag and the time zone. I'm aware of that. But it's six games. And that's for the two teams that go all the way. So for a majority of your players, uh, they're not going to play those six games. So I, I think that that is a sexy topic. But the actual impact isn't as dramatic as we make it out to be. The most important thing for the Vegas Golden Knights when it comes to the schedule this year is getting off to a great start and putting your foot down and rolling from October 12th until February 3rd Hmm. and build up as much of a cushion in this perceived uh, soft division of the Pacific as you can. Then, Then you've got options, Ryan. Then you've got your players that go over to the Olympics. You can give them some recovery time on the back end. And you can also pace yourself through the craziness of March and April and into May. And that you know, that's the biggest key is is what happens between the middle of October and the middle of January. How much of a cushion can you build up to give yourself options and to load work that load management? for March, April, and May. Yeah, I, I think you're you're right there. And, and, and we've talked about the starts of, of seasons before, and, and we've made a lot um, just in terms of last year with, with you know, a shortened season, how important the start was. You get off to a great start. You, you, you really give yourself a, a little bit of that lead in the division, and you, you all of a sudden have different things that you can do. Uh, one of the big things for me just in terms of navigating the schedule is where the Golden Knights are against the salary cap. Like, I, I look at the fact that they, they you know, shed the, the salary of Marc-Andre Fleury. Yes, they go out. They spend on Alec Martinez. Yes, they, they go out and bring back Matthias Janmark. They bring in Evgeny Dadanov. Like, I, all those things certainly are spending more money, but you're also spending it on roster players that, you know, should put you in a position that if you lose a player or you have to be without a player, you're not going to play shorthand as many times or at all like the Golden Knights did last year. So, um, you know, for a team that, that I think you look at 
last year as, as maybe running out of juice or running out of energy at the wrong time. I, I think the ability to, to have some flexibility in terms of what your lineup can look like because of where you're at now against the salary cap is incredibly important going into another compacted schedule. The, the battle for the division last year was so valuable. And, yeah. and Vegas managed to get by it uh, by winning the series with the four-and-answer games against the Colorado Avalanche and ending it in six. Uh, they didn't have to play that decisive seventh game uh, on the road in Denver. Uh, I, I think you, you shouldn't have that. Vegas should win this division and should win it handily. So that gives you home ice advantage for the first two rounds of the playoffs. If you really want to go for it in the, in the Western Conference, well, that'll be a decision for uh, the, the final two and a half months. But if you get off to a really solid start and take care of your business, it should give you home ice advantage for the first two rounds, and that just gives you a, a little bit more uh, of an advantage uh, to start things off for the, for the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Olympics themselves, though, geez, you've got a round robin, of three games, and then the quarterfinal, semifinal, and the final. It's six games in nine days. That's a grind if you go all the way. But not all your players are going to go all the way. So I think the the actual impact uh, isn't much uh, as much as uh, you make it out to be. And and I, I'm pretty sure I, I know the coaches were tired last year. It, it was a grind. Mm-hmm. But I think Pete and Misha uh, will be able to get through it. Now, I, I do – want to bring up the idea of of everything the Golden Knights learned last year in navigating that compacted schedule is as we look toward what what we have in store for this 82 game season uh, we saw a lot of p- stretches for the Golden Knights in which there weren't practices you didn't have opportunities to kind of get on the ice and work on things because you were trying to manage rest recovery and really just energy levels throughout the year how much of what the Golden Knights went through last year in navigating this compacted schedule is going to have them better prepared to deal with it come this season uh, just in terms of of maybe sneaking in some extra practices and finding different ways to continue to improve throughout the season? Uh, I think you might see one of two things. Uh, I think everybody's going to be more comfortable with doing all the off-ice preparation with video work instead of getting on the ice and going through the drills and the reps and the functioning of your power play and your penalty kill and and et cetera. And, and maybe if the, if the power play is better, you, you might be able to take some practices off, Ryan. Yeah. Even more practices off if you if you don't have feel the need that you have to go up there and you have to run through your power play uh, more to, to to get it going and 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 get that that advantage. So there's there's one possibility. But the actual overall schedule, I think the coaches and the players are going to be much more, and this goes across the league, much more comfortable doing uh, all their work off the ice. Uh, like they were forced to do in a lot of cases a year ago. And Vegas did that more than anybody, I believe, with mm-hmm. uh, with uh, all the off-ice work and the video with the assistant coaches and, and the players instead of getting out there and, and going through those, those skates. The other side that I think you're going to see is uh, smaller group practices. And if you feel like you, you really need something, uh, you, you go out there in smaller groups. You, you may not have uh, – I'm not saying it's optional – but if, if the coaches want to work on some things with some players, they'll just pull certain players out there and, and do it. Whereas last year, you're kind of m- not making it up as you went along, mm-hmm. but making it up day by day. That, that wasn't one of those, we're going to plan for the next two weeks 
and make it up as you go along there. It was day by day in a lot of cases. Uh, and and this coming season, I think you might see practices where there's five guys out there working on certain things that they need to work on and then get off the ice instead of having uh, an all or nothing, big group or, or uh, an off-ice uh, workout or video session. That that is an uh, an option that I know some teams have looked at. Yeah, it's it's going to be fascinating to see kind of how the Golden Knights. I think a team that that really did uh, their best to to manage the the needs for the players last year in terms of preparation with rest and recovery. Uh, I'm curious to see how they approach this year with you know again as as a, a very compacted schedule with more travel, more games. How do you navigate that? I'm curious to see. There's that great experience of going to City National Arena and watching a Golden Knights practice with the stands full. Mm -hmm. If you haven't experienced it, I can't wait for it to come back and for you to come down there and enjoy that with us. But this winter... If we get to that stage where the practices are open to the public and everything's A-OK because of the, the pandemic, it's going to be, it's going to be, I, I wonder how many players are going to be out there every practice. One of those, uh, are we going to, is it going to be a full practice? Is it going to be four guys? Is it going to be two guys? Is it going to be optional? We, we, there's going to be a lot of days where we just won't know until you get to the rink and look on the ice how many guys are going to be out there because of the flow of this compacted schedule. And I will say this, outside of the first three weeks of the VGK season this year, it's as compacted or more compacted than last year <laughs> because yeah. you've got more travel. You're not, you've got one of those dates where you, you play the same team twice. That's up in Seattle. Uh, but the rest of it is game by game. Uh, again, you're back to the old style of schedule uh, with, with one-offs. And so uh, the the idea that you're going back to a regular, tr- more traditional schedule, 82 games, is is true in one regard. But because of that Olympic break in February, where you're shutting down from uh, uh, February 3rd uh, till uh, late late February, uh, it's it's going to be jam packed. Uh, pacing and and uh, uh, fatigue is going to be as much of a storyline as it was a year ago, which is crazy to even think about. Yeah, it really is. But, you know, here we are, and these teams, these players, these organizations had experience with it last year, so I expect there there to be an even more dialed-in process of, of getting the results you need on the ice. That's your top five at five. Five top storylines in the National Hockey League this year. Top five storylines for the VGK. We started at number five. Tomorrow, we continue the countdown on the VGK Insider Show. Coming up next on Fox Sports Las Vegas, it's one-timers, including an update on Kirill Kaprizov and the Minnesota Wild. Brought to the near wing. Big shot, he scores! It's time for one-timers. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day. And it's a tie hockey game. On the VGK Insider Show. Another assistant coach has been forced to step aside due to the vaccine requirement to battle COVID-19 in the National Hockey League. Uh, all coaches, anybody in and around players, sports staff, media, uh, have to be vaccinated, double vaccinated this year. 
And we have the Columbus Blue Jackets announcing yesterday that Sylvain Lefebvre has been replaced as one of the team's assistant coaches after deciding not to receive the vaccine. A couple of weeks ago, Rocky Thompson of the San Jose Sharks had to also step aside. Uh, he had uh, a medical exemption to, to not get vaccinated, but because of his role with the team and the requirement to be vaccinated uh, to perform his duties, he wasn't able to fulfill that, uh, so he couldn't coach. But this this sounds like, in the Columbus Blue Jackets situation, that Sylvain Lefebvre uh, just opted uh, not to get vaccinated or didn't believe in the vaccination, but he will not be coaching the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets as part of uh, uh, McCarthy's new coaching staff with the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets. I, I tell you yeah. what, it's it's kind of shocking in, in a way that that somebody would go to that length of not coaching in the National Hockey League because of the beliefs about the vaccination. That's just my opinion. Uh, we all have a we all have our own beliefs, but this is your livelihood, right? Yeah, I mean, I, there are there are certain things that you know when when you're kind of dealing with a job that is is this much in the public and also uh, has this much responsibility, not just to yourself but also to you know the the players on your team and, and really the the revenue dollars for the NHL. I, there are. Uh, certain things that I think you have to understand. Now, what I'm most interested in, in terms of Rocky Thompson and Sylvain Lefebvre, is what comes next, two years, three years, whatever the case may be, at what point might they be able to get back behind a bench Mm -hmm. in the NHL? That, to me, is kind of the most intriguing thing about this beyond just the initial story. So Brad Larson is the new coach of the Columbus Blue Jacket, uh, taking over from uh, John Tortorella. And in uh, replacing Sylvain Lefebvre, they have called on uh, Steve McCarthy, uh, who's been recalled from uh, the Lake Monsters. So that's the situation on that front, as another coach is uh, bypassed in the National Hockey League for not uh, taking the vaccination. Uh, Other news to tell you about today involves one Kirill Kaprizov of the uh, Minnesota Wild, and just going to bring the story up to make sure that I get all the language right on this. But the headline, the first paragraph in this story out of Michael Russo, who covers the Minnesota Wild, is that they've hit a critical junction juncture in the contentious, once again, silent contract negotiations between the Wild and their star player. So once again, silent contract negotiations with Kirill yeah. Kaprizov. It's like this is the final stand for both sides a week out from training camp. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's really going to be a game of who's going to blink first. And, you know, I think that, you know, Bill Guerin and, and the Minnesota Wild, I, I want to say, are, are kind of firmly in the belief that there's an offer on the table and it's a fair offer. And when it comes to Kirill Kaprizov, uh, there's a number, I imagine, that he wants to be at and a term that he wants to be at. And he understands that right now with what the Minnesota Wild did in, in the offseason and in buying out Parise and Suter and, and kind of looking toward the future, he's a huge, huge piece for this organization. So it's going to uh, really come down to which entity is going to blink first. And I'm fascinated to see it because I think Bill Guerin's headstrong enough to not be the guy. There's a, there's a whole bunch of layers to this story that are coming out. 
one is just the plain old contract uh, status and how they want to structure the contract. Kaprizov wants a short-term contract. The Minnesota Wild want a long-term contract. Uh, yeah. Billy Guerin didn't reveal the Wild's contract offers, but they said for several weeks that uh, Kaprizov has been uh, offered around $9 million uh, a year. That's pretty good. $9 million yeah. uh, per year uh, for a guy that's played 55 games in the uh, <laughs> in the National Hockey League. Uh, the other part of it is, uh, is just like life issues. Uh, Kaprizov's in, in Russia. He's not in the United States. So once he signs, he's got to get the work visa. That they can work out. Uh, also yeah. has to get uh, vaccinated. Apparently he's not vaccinated. The popular vaccination in, in Russia uh, is not recognized. The Sputnik V uh, that you guys have uh, heard about, it's not yet authorized by the World Health Organization. So uh, without all of that, he would have to also quarantine. So you're nine days out from camp. He doesn't have a contract. And then there's all these other layers. It's... Does he need training camp? Well, he proved last year he didn't need training camp, and it was his first year. Yeah. So that might be overblown, but the idea that uh, that he's going to be there in time for training camp is starting to look slimmer and slimmer. And that's just with the life part of it, never mind the fact that they appear to be quite wide apart in any type of negotiation or, or settlement on the negotiation. Well, there's one of your over two restricted free agents who will not be in camp. That's a, that's almost like a lock at this point. Right. Sure sounds like it, doesn't it? Yeah. I'm taking it. What 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 do you see the resolution here? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. You've got a, a guy that uh, in Billy Garen who's done some big high-profile moves in his yeah. relatively short tenure as a general manager. Normally, with somebody with his experience as a GM, I would put the uh, the favored status on the agent and the player. But right. Billy Garen's done a nice job there, really nice job, and uh, I I think that that is is uh, I think they're on good standing, uh, Minnesota Wild as a franchise. The where's Kaprizov going to play? He's not going to play in Russia, so right. is he? Is he going to let the season just wash away? Well, that would be ridiculous. So I think right. they come to some kind of settlement, but if Minnesota's correct in in trying to look towards a long term deal, they probably get somewhere in the range of five years out of this contract, four to five years. I don't think they're getting three. I, I mean, I if I'm the Minnesota Wild, I don't want three. I want five. No, I want exactly. Three. Yeah, I and and at this point, like you know, again, as you mentioned, there's there's the the possibility that even if you work something out right now, you're you're looking at a player that uh, is going to have a a lot to get done before he's able to be available and play some games. So. Um, I'm with you in terms of how I think this one resolves. I, I don't think Bill Guerin's going to be the one to blink. I, I really don't. I think that there's a comfortability factor in in making the decision and sticking by the decision for Bill Guerin. He, as you mentioned, a lot of high-profile things. He's made some very tough, difficult decisions that I don't think a lot of general managers would have done. So um, 
I think that at some point here, there will be a resolution, and I think that it's going to lean slightly toward the Minnesota Wild and Bill Guerin kind of coming out on the right side of it. My prediction prediction is a five-year deal. Could they trade him? Is that that on the table? They could. If, I mean, if if he if he ends up saying I'm not coming back I'm not going to play with like you like is again. that is that a realistic yeah. option though uh, not 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 at this point okay no we're we're not at Eichel stage yet <laughs> not yet Defcon <laughs> well you 12. should let the Buffalo Sabers know that Jack Eichel wants to be traded yeah well that would be uh, that would really uh, crank it up hey, what are you Just getting saying. in Jack Eichel by the way I know the Buffalo Sabers are asking for the moon. Uh, in in any kind of trade talk that they've had, and yeah. oh, I heard another name, Anaheim, in the running for Jack Eichel. Okay. Um, no, no, Anaheim. Anaheim has prospects they could deal. I was also sure. told that Anaheim didn't want to trade those prospects <laughs> for for Jack Eichel, but I did. Well, but I, but his his was another name that uh, that that or Anaheim's was another name that came up in the Jack Eichel conversation today. Sure. I mean, you look at Anaheim, they've got the cap space to do it. And as you mentioned, they've got a lot of young prospects that um, I think the Buffalo Sabres would absolutely love to have on their team. And Trevor Zegras and Jamie Drysdale being kind of the two that that I think make the most sense. Um, If I'm Anaheim, I don't know that I want to make a trade for Jack Eichel. And then in that package, move on from guys that I, I kind of envision playing alongside Jack Eichel. Like, the whole point of this is to make Anaheim better if they that trade. You're going to need players uh, surrounding Eichel, and as you know, as good as Jacob Silverberg and Ricard Raquel have been for Anaheim over the years, uh, you want to build with youth. You want to get younger. You want to have uh, the, 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 the Drysdales and the Zegerses around with Jack Eichel. So, um, right now, if you're Anaheim or you're any team, interested in trading for Jack Eichel. You've got a player that you, you don't really know what the timeline's going to be. You don't know when he's going to be able to play for you. And you don't know what type of player he's going to be for you just simply because he hasn't played in a long time and he needs to, to figure out what to do with his neck. So uh, the, the, the value is very much at an all-time low when it comes to Jack Eichel. So if I'm the Buffalo Sabres, I play hardball with them because they've got to blink at some point here. It almost seems like a, a, a team that's going through a rebuild that would be a bad decision for a team that's going through a rebuild because ideally you, you want to have a guy who you can have a lot of good pieces around. But if you're going to trade away all those good young pieces, it kind of seems like almost counterproductive. Hey, even if I thought Jack Eichel could turn me into a Stanley Cup contender mm-hmm. by himself, I'm not making that trade until I know that he's healthy. Yeah. And you could put all the conditions in the world on it. I'm still not making giving up anything significant before I know he's healthy. And that means they got to figure out what kind of surgery he's going to have, have it and have him come back and be healthy enough to play. Mm-hmm. And we're that means we're far enough on. That means this is still loose back to Buffalo and Jack Eichel and his representatives figuring out what kind of surgery that he's going to have, procedure he's going to have on his neck, and then getting it done. Because I'm sorry, Kevin Adams, you're not getting what he's worth without knowing that he's healthy. And if he's healthy, you might end up getting a lot more. So figure right. it out. And if if he's going to have the surgery that you don't want him to have, uh, well, 
look in the mirror and go, he's not playing for you anyway. Again. Right. I think that ship right. sailed. So just get by that. You know, they hold uh, cut off your nose to spite your face. That's what yeah. That's what we're dealing with right now. And both sides have to have to sort of take a step back and try and try and figure it out. And then Jack Eichel can get on the screw. And I'm not and I'm not convinced he makes you a Stanley Cup contender. But even if right. even if he did make me a Stanley Cup contender, I'm still not making the deal until I know that he's good enough to go. Doesn't make any sense. 100%. Yeah. Even if you're even if right. you're even if you're getting him at fifty cents on the dollar, you don't know whether he's good enough to play. So are you mm-hmm. gonna are you really gonna do that deal? Take a chance? No. And sell your owner on, it, on that? It, and that's why the deal hasn't gotten done. Yeah. We talk about this every day, and there's always another little thread to pull on the Jack Eichel thing. Uh, here's yeah. one for you. Uh, do you guys like Philip Forsberg? I like him. <laughs> Ryan. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's great. I, I Like, I really <sighs> like him. There's talk about a hurdle for Forsberg deal. Because because okay. San Jose doesn't really know what to do with Hurdle, and Hurdle's making noise. Yeah. Like, are they going to trade me or not? He's got one more year left on his contract. Okay. Um, so I like Philip Forsberg, but the way that I feel about Philip Forsberg is, is very much the same way that I feel about Charlie Coyle. Uh, there's only so much... There's only so many times you can tell me about potential. With Philip Forsberg, he has all the tools in the world, quite literally, to be a point-of-game player, an 82-point guy in this league every single year without fail. He's never been above a 64-point guy, and that is maddening and frustrating, and it's got to just make you crazy when you're watching him play. All the tools in the world, he just can't put it all together. So I, that's where I'm at with Philip Forsberg. I'd take him in a second, but Thomas Hurdle is a great player. It'd be an interesting trade. I, I think that would be a fun hockey trade to evaluate. I'd like I, to be I'd like to be tra- the Hurdle side of it though. <laughs> yeah, I I think that you um you know what you're getting in Tomas Hurdle, right? Like I, I think that you don't sit there and, and talk about potential. You don't sit there and talk about, you know, what he could be. Um, he is what he is, and that's nearly a point-of-game player over the last four years. Um, I'd do that deal. I like Philip Forsberg, but he frustrates me so much that I'd, I'd probably just get angry about it. Uh, frustration and anger. Perfect segue. Catching up with Chapman's next on Fox Sports <laughs> Las Vegas. We're back to the Findlay Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Here's Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Missed any of today's show? Check out the podcast. Go back. We did the top five at five, five biggest storylines in the National Hockey League and for the Vegas Golden Knights, starting with number five today. We also uh, chatted about uh, who you'd love to sit down and watch a hockey game with. If you had the living room and you could pick whoever you wanted, uh, that's uh, all part of today's program as we turn it over to Chris Chapman. Yeah, uh, got to hang out with my cousin a little bit this morning. He flew into town. He is a season ticket holder for the Baltimore Ravens. So obviously a big Baltimore Ravens fan. He came in for the game last night, had glowing reviews about the stadium, said it was pretty incredible. Said the atmosphere was great. They had great interactions with the Raider fans. And uh, he's disappointed that the, that the Raiders... Came back to win the game. I kind of chuckled. I said, well, I'm not. But uh, 
Yeah, he, he he had nothing but great things to say about Allegiant Stadium. Nothing great to say about nothing but great things to say about the fans. He said the the food was good. They really enjoyed themselves, and uh, sounds like we've got a, a a good product there. And the Raiders they looked good last night, coming back to win that game. And Derek- hold on, hold on. Do you think you know the whole like couldn't find the kicker? Thing and then no, taking I, the penalty. I, Do you think I, that was on purpose? No, I, I think they legitimately screwed that up. In the National Football League, listen, there's 400 I, people wearing headsets, and you can't I, find your kicker. I think they legitimately screwed that up. It it, it worked out, but yeah, I I I've I watched, think it was a ruse. No, I'm, I'm not buying that. They 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 seemed a little disoriented there, but great trick play. Yeah, well, and great great call to win the game. I mean, and, and Derek Carr. The guy continues to prove that he's a really good quarterback and he's the right quarterback to lead the Raiders. So we, uh, as a non-Raider fan, I'm very happy they won and I hope they keep winning. We started the show talking about the Mannings and that's how we got into the like whole, yes. we, who would you like to watch a game with? Uh, Wallace, uh, when, when they scored the winning touchdown last night, Eli had no idea who caught the touchdown. He's like, <laughs> uh, who's number seven? <laughs> and they were just making fun of it. Like, you, what do you mean? You didn't research your, your fifth receiver on the depth chart of the Las Vegas Raiders? Uh, those guys can get away with it because you know, they're awesome. It's Eli Manning. I'm, yeah. I'm good with it. <laughs> Peyton was just busting on him. <laughs> it was outstanding. But uh, I, I like uh, I like your idea of watching a game with Patrick O'Hara. I'm coming around to that. Every goal Good. would be stoppable. Every goal. 100%. What do you mean that? Oh, yeah. What do you mean that guy let in that one timer? Thanks for listening. Fox Sports Las Vegas, the VGK Insider Show continues tomorrow. Chat with you then. Ooh.